This is Thursday, June 23rd. Today we pick up in the parable of the prodigal son. We want to understand our condition and our need for grace and to see how God extends his grace to us. Years ago, my life was influenced by a standout Presbyterian pastor and seminary professor named Donald McCullough. Don pastored a church in California. He also wrote some amazing books. This man was brilliant, and God was working in his life. But below the surface was a swirling scandal rooted in his need always to have more. He had an affair, actually more than one, before it was all discovered. He was kicked out of ministry, lost his marriage, his career, the respect of his friends, everything really. But something really important happened, even in the darkness. It came out as he was going through counseling, trying to process the pain, the sin, and the loss. He was stunned by the problems he had gotten himself into. His counselor said to him, Now you know, big shot seminary president, you who preach and teach and write about grace, now you know. Yes, now he knew he needed grace. This is where the young man in the prodigal son's story gets himself to. But hold on a minute, (laughs) he's still not there yet. I know he's lost everything. He's lost his family, his fortune, his dignity and his self-respect, and his own self, really. But he's still not in a place where he can receive grace. It can be true that it seems a person has hit the bottom, but there is a bottom that still is deeper. Here's our text for today, Luke chapter 15, verse 17 to 20. When he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? Here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and went to his father. Yes, we are told that he came back to his senses. The text literally says, Jesus said, back to himself. And that is a big deal. Somewhere along the way in our sin, we actually forget who we are. We become disconnected from the identity God gave us. We become more like a cliche than a real person. Personhood comes from facing life honestly, knowing who we are, and why we do what we do. It requires consciousness and a bit of clarity. He has the consciousness for sure, but this young man doesn't have the clarity. How do we know this? Well, he's working on a sales pitch to give to his father when he gets home. Hey, Dad, how about hiring me? I'll make right everything I've done wrong. Just put me on the team and give me a chance. I can't imagine how long he would think this through. He must have rehearsed his speech all the way back home. But he is jazzed. He can fix things. He just needs to, to sound sorry and to get to work. Now this is what we think when we fail. We can pull ourselves together and tackle this thing that has crushed us. We can beat it. We can. 
How often do we try to negotiate ourselves out of our failures? Most often, we do it in the form of self-rationalization. Or at least it begins there. Why not just face that it's a total loss? Why not be honest about it? Here's why. To do so is to go through a kind of death. It's an admission of weakness and inability. And we can't admit that. So we do our best to keep the game going as long as we can. And then the, the truth is, we deceive ourselves more than we deceive anyone else. Just like the big shot seminary president. He's got the answers for everyone else, but he can't admit he doesn't have them for himself. He can't admit he needs grace. And this is where the young man is when his father sees him on the horizon. If we were to be asked if he is ready for grace, we'd say no. We'll never be ready enough. Think about it. If the son is sorry, how sorry does he need to be? The father doesn't love him because he is sorry. He simply loves him. And that is our story. For the big shot seminary president, it didn't save his marriage. He'd already destroyed that. Instead, it saved him. And that desperately needed to be done. God saved him. Think about it. How can a man, broken, go forward in his life? His sin came out. His family, his church, his seminary, his whole denomination found out. He was given the boot out of ministry and left with nothing. That is nothing but the most important thing. The love of God for him. And that's just where he discovered it. Now, I understand we think we can get ourselves about out of any fix we've gotten ourselves into, but I don't think we understand the snare of our own self-righteousness. It's so much more powerful than we are. But the good news is that God loves us and he runs toward us, especially when we're afraid to go home, especially when we think we can pull ourselves together, especially we, we, we don't guess how lost we really are. And this is why Jesus sought out guys like our young man. It's why he loved them and why he laid down his life for them. Let's pray. Father, long my imprisoned spirit lay, fast bound in sin and nature's night. But your eye diffused a quickening ray. I woke, the dungeon flamed with light. My chains fell off, my heart was free. I rose, went forth, and followed thee. My chains fell off, my heart was free. I rose, went forth, and followed thee. Amazing love, how can it be that thou, my God, should die for me? Amen.